Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello and welcome to another great episode of Stand Out, the podcast all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Excited and honored does not begin to express how we all feel about today's guest. We are recording this episode during NAPO's 2019 conference, and just hours before this guest will hit the stage and share with conference attendees a bonus keynote. Conference has already been full swing for a couple of days, and the anticipation continues to build because we have with us a woman who gets us. She gets our collective mission to help people clear clutter, be more productive, and live happier lives. I am so pleased to have Gretchen Rubin with us today. Gretchen Rubin is one of today's most influential and thought-provoking observers of happiness and human nature. She's known for her ability to distill and convey complex ideas with humor and clarity in a way that's accessible to a wide audience. She believes there's no one-size-fits-all solution for becoming happier, healthier, more productive, more creative. She says when we know ourselves and what works for us, we can change our habits and our lives. She's the author of many books, including the blockbuster New York Times bestsellers, The Four Tendencies, Better Than Before, and my personal favorite, The Happiness Project. She has an enormous readership, both in print and online, and her books have sold over 3.5 million copies worldwide in more than 30 languages. The Happiness Project spent two years on the bestseller list. On her top-ranking, award-winning podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, she discusses happiness and good habits with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft, and those two are a really good time. She's been interviewed by Oprah, walked arm in arm with the Dalai Lama, had her work written up in a medical journal, and has even been an answer on the game show Jeopardy. In her work, she draws from cutting edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from popular culture, and her own experiences to explore how we can make our lives happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Gretchen Rubin started her career in law and was clerking for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and then she realized she really wanted to be a writer. Raised in Kansas City, she lives in New York City with her husband and two daughters. And at the time of this recording, just released her latest book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, Declutter and Organize to Make More Room for Happiness. This new book is packed with more than 100 concrete ideas. Gretchen, welcome to our show. I'm so happy to be talking to you about one of my favorite subjects, oh. organizing, clearing clutter, outer order. I Love feel it. like you're our, you're our queen, right? <laughs> you are spearheading this mission for us, and we are just really honored to have you here and on this podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So one thing I would love to start our conversation on is... I'm here at conference, I'm talking to a lot of the attendees, and a lot of people are starting their second career, or mm -hmm. their third career, mm -hmm. or they're, they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. They don't have any clients yet, but they right. love what we do. And, and you took a really big leap <laughs> way back when, and how did you do that? And what, what, 
why was it so important for you to do that? Well, I was, as you said, I was clerking for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, and uh, one thing about me is that I often get very preoccupied with subjects. Like I, like, I went through this period recently when I was really, really interested in color, and I ended up writing like this weird little book about color. And at this time, I, I was uh, I was clerking for Justice O'Connor, and I walked out and was looking at the Capitol Dome against the blue sky, and I thought, what am I interested in that everyone else in the world is interested in, and just, just idly? And I thought well, power, money, fame, sex. And it was like, <laughs> power, money, fame, sex. And I just was like, all of a sudden, I just was completely just like enraptured with this idea. And I started doing a tremendous amount of research on it. And at a certain point, I mean, I was spending so much time, all of my free time, I was working on this. And then I thought, this is the kind of thing a person would do if they were writing a book. And I thought, I could write that book. And it was almost like uh, the desire to write that book was so, so compelling that I, I just kept thinking about it more and more, and finally I thought, you know, I would rather fail as a writer than succeed as a lawyer at this point, and so I went to the bookstore and got a book called something like, How to Write and Sell Your Nonfiction Book Proposal, and I just followed the directions, which makes it sound easier than it was, but for me it was really like I just became so compelled um, in this other direction that it, it, made it, it wasn't so much that I wanted to leave where I was, but that I wanted to go somewhere else so badly. Sounds like you're very in tune with who you were as a person. Well, I don't know about that because I went to law school. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, six years later, I, yeah. Uh, no, I think it took me a while to get there to understand. And I think part of it for me was that I didn't, I, I think that I had prepared myself to be a writer, but I didn't for a long time see a place for myself in the writing world because I thought, well, people either wrote like novels or plays or poetry or they were journalists or they were academics. And I didn't want to do any of those things, so I didn't really think about what I could do. At that time, I didn't really read nonfiction. I mean, now people talk about creative nonfiction, and there's a lot of emphasis on that, but for some reason, I just wasn't aware of that as a possibility. But once I, once I became aware of it, I thought, ah, this is the kind of thing I want to do. Did you know that tons of people would be so interested in reading your work right away, or was there any subconscious thing like, I know I love this, but I'm uh, just not sure if others will? Well, it's funny because The Happiness Project is the book that most people became aware of me, but that was my fourth book. So I'm a good example of somebody who worked very hard for 10 years to become an overnight sensation. Mm -hmm. so a lot of people think I was just sort of like hanging out, and then I wrote this little book. And I was like, no, it was more involved in that. You know, with each of my books, I have to say, I write about something that I find just extraordinarily interesting, and it's sort of hard for me to imagine that everyone else isn't going to be, you know, my whole mission is to make you as interested. When I wrote my book, 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill, I was like, Winston Churchill is the most interesting person ever, and I want to be the gateway drug that is going to allow people who don't know anything about Winston Churchill to realize that they now want to read the like multi-volume, eight-volume you know, eight volume history of him because he's so interesting. So with all of my books, I think that people would be interested, right. you know, because I find it so interesting. And I love that you made it your mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you got, yeah, 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 I got yeah, this yeah, thing, yeah, and I want to share it yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you, I think you kind of need that intensity to carry you through a book too. You have, you have to feel to. that enthusiasm. Yeah, that kind of limitless interest. Believe in yourself and your mission so much. Well, you know, it's like I don't even think about myself really. It's just like I'm just so focused on can I write the book that is going to convey what I think is the most important and interesting. One of the things I love, you know, because I was a lawyer, is when I was in law school and working as a lawyer, I had to spend so much time thinking about things that were boring. Like, 
at a very, very high level. Like I would go in and spend 12 hours just thinking about really, really boring things that were very, very complicated. And now I'm like, la -dee -da, I just get to do everything that I think is interesting. You know, I, I never take that for granted that I get to choose my subject. It's just a real, it is a delight to choose your own subject. It is a delight. You've had amazing success sharing your insight to happiness and human nature, and professional organizers and productivity specialists aim to help their clients find more happiness and clarity in their lives. Do you think organizing and productivity education has a strong future? Are you seeing a lot of oh, yeah. people? I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now in the media. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. I mean, I think people are more and more aware of the, of the relationship between environment and people's mental and emotional states. And I think there's a lot of interest and focus on how do we create environments that are going to promote, whether we want to promote collaboration or we want to promote creativity, we want to pr promote uh, focus. Part of this is things like the open office, where now it's really, because the environment is so different, it's really making us think like, well, what, what environments do people need to succeed? And you feel that, and I think people feel that in their households too, or you know, anywhere we go, you feel how, how sensitive we are to our environments. And so I, I think it's something that people, and, and like the idea that the, the, the physical experience colors the emotional and mental experience, I think people are more and more taking that into account, that you've got to think about the physical experience, the body, what's actually happening in real life as well as what's happening inside your head. What kind of feedback do you receive from your podcasts and your books from people who read it? Are you seeing a lot of people being able to transform their spaces on their own yeah. or is it a good starting point? Well, it's funny because when I wrote this book, what I wanted to do is it's written in a very kind of streamlined way because I thought, well, it's a book of, I want, I, I can't write like a heavy, dense book because this is supposed to just be like, because what it is, is it's a book, it's like getting you a fired up book. It's a book where you're supposed to read like a third of it and then throw it over your shoulder and like go racing to your medicine cabinet because you cannot resist. You've just got to start right now. And so that was my hope for the book and the way that I tried to design it. And it's been funny because people have told me that they have had that experience. Like I recorded the audiobook, and later that night, my audiobook director, who I know well, because we've worked on other books together, she emailed me and was like, oh, for the next three hours after you left, like staying late cleaning up my office because I got so fired up. Or like the guy who's my trainer, you know, because I do high intensity weight training. He's like sent me a video before and after of his, of his office, his home office. And so I think it's, I think sometimes for people, they need to be reminded. It's not that they don't accept it. It's that, you know, we're busy. We get caught up. It's easier to keep up than to catch up. And so sometimes people, it's like they have a baby and they start a new job or they move and they just never quite get caught up. And then it just overwhelms them and they feel, and they just kind of don't know where to begin. And I think anything that makes people feel like, okay, I need to focus in on this and take the time and the effort to get this straightened out and I will feel more productive and I will feel calmer and I will feel more energized and I will, will feel like my life has more possibility. A friend of mine, Funny was said to me, I finally cleaned out my fridge and now I know I can switch careers. And I thought, I know how that feels. Like it feels disproportionate, you know, and yet we feel that. Like it, it, it matters a lot. And I think people really feel that. They know that. And when you, when, when they kind of focus on it for even more than a few minutes, they get very fired up to try to create it in their own environment. I know you and I both have a passion for yes. organizing it's yes. easy for us to get into yeah. it but yeah. I, I find even people who fight us on it 
or maybe they, they were gifted the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do it because I love Outer Order in a poem because it's these little snippets yeah. of things you can do, but you don't necessarily tell us exactly how to do it. It's right. kind of like, take this idea yeah. and do it how you would do it. Yeah. And they get in this zone and it's almost meditative. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, your friend. Yeah, because I think a lot of, there's a lot of different ways. Like some people want to like put aside a day and do like one giant, you know, and that's great. But then some people that they sort of have nervous collapse when they think of, you know, oh, I want to take everything out of my closet. It's like, okay, well, you could just do half a shelf. And I think it's much, people create and maintain order much better when they do it in the way that's right for them, rather than trying to jam themselves into some kind of like magic one-size-fits-all solution, because then it just sort of doesn't stick, um, or they can't maintain it by themselves. Because we've all, like, it's great to have somebody come in and help you, and like get you caught up, and get you, give you systems, and sort of clear things out, but then how do you keep it going? Because you, know, you don't want to just backslide in the next week or two. So how do you do it in a way that's right for you? It's funny, one guy was telling me that he used the book as a random tip generator. So he didn't even read it straight through. He just like opened it up and whatever it said, he did. And I thought, well, that's funny. Because sometimes people want to make it into a game. Like they don't want to clear clutter systematically. Like I'm very systematic. I think you're very systematic. Some people, like they just, they want kind of the gamify it. I'm like, that's great. If that works for you, that's, you, you can get there too. We can all get there. We can all achieve this aim. But our, our, our paths might be very different. Be very different. Yeah. I've actually used the book as a gift once we our session is done. Ah. We've done a great job. Now for this maintenance. Oh yeah. Here's a really great resource. Oh, for like the little things, the little habits and the little yeah. Or just like this can be fun. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this this heavy thing that's yes. over you. I know I enjoy doing it, you don't. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think also for people, they do have that fresh, clean feeling, and they want to keep it up. And but then sometimes they just they, it doesn't come naturally to them, so they need sort of ideas to hook onto. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You've done a really good job with bringing happiness, order, productivity to so many people by writing, mm-hmm. by podcasting, by doing these things. A lot of what people who are listening to this podcast, they're in the homes right, yeah. with, with the client yes. doing that hands-on work. Yes, intense. And writing doesn't come easy to all of them, or they're yeah. solopreneurs and they find a hard time find, find time to write yes. or to start a podcast. Do you have any bits of information for those of us who are in the field, right. trying to do this good work, but it's one-on-one? Right, well, I think for anyone who wants to write and put ideas out into the world, whether that's in final form is in writing or the final form is in podcasting, my advice is always the same, which is know what you want to say. And that sounds so obvious, but a lot of times people are sort of like, I should write a newsletter, like blah, 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 and then they try to kind of fake through it, and then it's very frustrating. If you really start to think about, well, what do I have to say? What do I really want to communicate? And then you just write that down in like whatever bad form. Something badly written where someone is communicating an actual idea is always going to be 50 times more interesting than somebody who's just like trying to fill a page in some kind of, I mean, I remember when my daughter was applying to college and she would write her college essays. The difference between the one where she was just like trying to like write a college essay versus when she really had something she was trying to communicate, night and day. And so always begin by thinking, what do I have to say? And I guarantee, like, the work of the person who goes into someone's house or office and is really dealing with human emotions, human challenges, the variety of human nature, the strange, unexpected things that people get up to. If you think about, well, what have I learned 
you know, what would I say if somebody were new? What are the what were what you know? If I had to come up with my five top tips, or if I had to talk about the five craziest things, or like the thing that surprised me the most, or the thing that brought tears into my eyes, or the moment where I was like really like I felt like we had achieved a transcendent moment together. Like, what are the like? You have stuff to say. So think about what you have to say, and then usually when people are like really start being excited about it, then the words flow more easily. And even if you feel like you're not that good at expressing yourself, just very, keep it very simple. The more you try to fancify things and like people start using, like they try to make it sound fancy, so they use long words that they don't exactly know how to use, or they use words like, you know, you know implementization or, you know, weird words. Um, you're like, wait, like, do you mean use? Or they go into passive construction. Just try to very straightforwardly just express yourself. And you don't actually have to be that good a wordsmith in order to communicate very powerfully to other people your ideas and your experience, your insights, your knowledge, your observations. Would you agree it's important, though, to share your story and your your work online or in a podcast or however we can share versus people who feel like they don't have time to do mm. those sorts of things for their business because they're in the field and they're just trying to get more clients. Would you say it's important to find time to write or to communicate in some way? Well, I don't know. I think that would depend on the person and what their vision for it is. I mean, one thing is, and like this is like so many things, it's like, are you, can you keep it up? Writing one blog post is like, it's like, that's not going to do anything for you. It's sort of like, if you don't think this is something that is going, you're going to be able to do like at least somewhat consistently, just randomly writing, you know, you, you know, writing a tweet once a week. It's like, okay, that's, that's not really, really worth your time. So think about what do you want to get out of it? And I think there's enormous gains for people who want to do that. But I wouldn't say that everybody should do that or could do that. A lot of listeners are entrepreneurs, not mm -hmm. all of them, yeah. but a lot of them are. Yeah. And one of my favorite, it goes on so many things you've already talked about during our conversation here. It's, it's you've got to be true to yourself yes. and how you can get from point yeah. A to Z. When did you discover that that's an, an important thing to remember because we we consume so much content yeah. telling us you've yeah. got to get up at 5 a.m. Yes. Yes. and you have yes. to do five yes. things before yes. 6 a.m. Yes. and then you must yes. and yes. if you feel yes. like you don't fit in yeah. so yeah. how did you you know it's so funny that you say that because I, if I had to say like what is my big conclusion about all of human nature it's like there's no magic one-size-fits-all solution. Like, and anybody who tells you this is the right way, this is the best way, this is the most efficient way. I mean, just the other day I was reading an article and it was about, like, why having a clear office is better for productivity? And went through all these studies, and then at the end it was like, but then some studies suggest that it's better for creativity not to be so orderly. And I'm like, this is all totally beside the point for any individual. Because you're talking, I'm like, because for any individual, it's like, well, what am I? What kind of person am I? Like, am I the kind of person I can get up at 5 a.m.? Or do I do my best work at 11 p.m.? Am I a morning person or a night person? And I think a lot of it was with the Happiness Project. When I was doing all this research, I would say, well, this just, have you met a person? Like, do you know what people are like? Because that's just not something. Well, here's a great example of where something came up in my life. I read something uh, in Samuel Johnson. I love the work of Samuel Johnson. And he said, uh, in kind of a, 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 a remark that he made, he said, somebody offered him wine at a party. This was like, you know, in the 18th century. He said, abstinence is as easy to me as temperance would be difficult. And when I read that, I'm like, that's me. I... It's easy for me to abstain. It's easy for me to have nothing that's tempting to me. I can have no cookies, but if I have any cookies, I'm gonna have 11 cookies. You know, it's easy for me to have none. It's hard for me to have a little. And 
Again, but like nutri a lot of people, especially nutritionists, will be follow the 80-20 rule, don't be too rigid, don't demonize too much, you know, any kind of food, have a little bit, you know, and I'm like, that doesn't work for me. Because I'm an abstainer. It's easier for, like, I gave up sugar because it's so much easier for me to have no sugar than to have a little bit of sugar. I can't have a little bit of sugar. It's too hard. But then some people are moderators, and they do better with when they have a little bit or they have something sometimes. And, you know, you mentioned that I have the Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast, and I do it with my sister, who's my co-host. And one of the things that comes out a lot is that we're very different. You know, like, she is one kind of person and I'm another kind of person. And it's not like one of us is right, one of us is wrong, or that one of us should change and the, to what the way the other person is. It's just that we're different, and so it's helpful to think about, well, how can we learn from each other and how do we create an environment that works for both of us? Or how do we understand how to support each other differently because we're coming from different places? It's so helpful to remember that the people, the very people we're trying to help think differently than yes. we do. Yes. So if we can experience more yes. in this world with different yes. ways to operate. Yes. Well, you see this with abundance lovers and simplicity lovers. Like, I'm a simplicity lover, and I imagine that a lot of people who go into organizing are kind of naturally simplicity lovers. But some people are abundance lovers, and they love profusion and choice and collections and abundance. And I remember I went up, because I am a happy, my sister calls me a happiness bully, and I can be kind of insistent <laughs> uh, when I think there's an opportunity for you to be a little happier. I can come on pretty strong. So I'm constantly trying to beg my friends to let me help them clear clutter, because it's like the contact high. And so I was with one friend who has tons and tons of clothes. She needed to go through them. And so I walked in, and she looked at me very apprehensively, and she said, I'm afraid that you're going to try to get me to give away too much. And I was like, no, you are not somebody who wants a capsule wardrobe. I get that. You love clothes. You want to have a lot of clothes. But that doesn't mean that you want clothes that don't fit or that are out of fashion, or that don't look good, or that you're sick of, or like you don't even remember like that you even own that thing. Like, let's get rid of that, and then you'll have more engagement with the things that you love. But to say that you would be happy with the amount of clothes that I have, clearly is just not true, because we're very different. I would feel kind of panicky if I had as many clothes as you do. It's just too many clothes for me to handle. Like, I would be swamped by it. But that's not to say it's not right for her. And so we can both, so it's not like, one of us has to convince the other. It's just, let's both kind of create an environment that works for us best. Celebrate each other. So celebrate each other. And the thing is, I love her abundance. It was fun for me. Or like, I love, you know, my parents, my mother's an abundance lover, and I love all the beautiful things they have. I wouldn't have that many things on my coffee table, personally, but I love being there. It's beautiful. It's all mindfully chosen. It's, she has an appreciation for physical objects that I don't have. Is her world richer than mine? In some ways it is. Would I want to live like that? No, I wouldn't. And so, it, it, yeah, it's like we can celebrate and enjoy. I love being in that environment because it's different from mine, and it's a it's a whole new experience. And um, but I think the problem comes it's when like a boss says a cluttered desk means a cluttered mind. We're gonna have a clean desk policy in this place. It's like well, that maybe that's true for you. It doesn't mean it's necessarily true for everyone. Not everyone shouldn't spend their time that way, you know. And so it's more about yeah, you do you, the way that's right for you which sometimes takes some time and effort to get there, and you may need somebody to help you do you. Mm -hmm. It's not so easy to do you. You think that'd be the easiest thing in the world? Oh, it's very hard to do you. So somebody's going to come in and help you do you. But if it's, you're doing it in a way that's right for you, it's a lot easier to maintain. Do you have any insight on finding out who you are? Well, I think one, one question I think it's always really helpful is to say, like, if there's something that is a challenge for you, is to say, well, was there ever a time in your life when you succeeded? 
Or is there a place in your life where you succeed? So for instance, I'm sure you see this a lot, where people say, I'm really organized at work, but my house is a mess. Or I'm really organized at home, but my, my office is a mess. Or So it's like, well, what's different? Like, what is it about one environment that's bringing out one aspect of your personality, but another aspect is different? Or like, oh, when I was in college, I exercised all the time, but now I can't exercise. Okay, well, let's think about what might have been different at that time. And then I also think, like, what's fun for you? What appeals to you? Different things appeal to different people. I'm a very orderly, kind of routine-driven person. I love having... My idea of a perfect life would be to be a Benedictine monk life. I love that. I mean, to me, that's, like, incredibly appealing. Every day, like, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing every hour of the day. Like, to me, I'm like, what could be better? But I've learned that not everybody feels that way. (laughs) So it's like certain things appeal to me because they... Like, the 10-minute closer is a thing where I do where... 10 minutes before I make any transition, I spend 10 minutes kind of organizing and getting, you know, so if I'm like, if I'm leaving my desk to go to my, you know, my non-work life, I'll spend 10 minutes like just cleaning up my office. If it's, if I'm starting my day, I'll spend 10 minutes kind of cleaning up our family space before the day begins. I'm a morning person, so I realize I can't do that at night because I'm too tired. I do it first thing in the morning right before I walk my dog. And because that's like a habit and a routine, I find it soothing and energizing and it really helps me make transitions. But some people totally want to be spontaneous, and the idea that they're going to like spend 10 minutes every time they make a transition would make them feel locked in and kind of choked and trapped. So it's like, do whatever you feel like. You're like, I'm sick of this place looking like this. I'm going to spend an hour cleaning it up. You know, it's midnight, and uh, I'm going to do it. I'm like, that's fine. Great. That works for you. Amazing. You know, whatever, whatever. So a lot of times just thinking about what appeals to you, like what strikes your fancy, what sounds like your kind of approach is a good guide. Just kind of having your eyes and ears open to yourself. Yes, and this is where I think other people can be useful because they can say things like, you could try this or you could try that, which sounds like the kind of thing. Or maybe something didn't work. Okay, let's try something else because if you're a professional, you got a lot of tools in your pocket. You know, you got a lot of ways to help people that they may not be aware of. And so, or you could even step back and say, it looks to me like, and you identify a pattern that maybe they're not aware of, like, looks to me like really the problem is, is it's everything related to your son you're, is really precious and you're having trouble letting go of that category of stuff or, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's related to travel or, or just sometimes you can spot patterns that other people aren't aware of. And so even by reflecting back or sometimes by acknowledging that something's important and, and kind of showing respect for an object's meaning can help people then relinquish it if it's time to relinquish it. I think that's really good for our listeners to kind of take hold of is you might have a way that you enjoy working or taking a client through A through Z. Yeah. Maybe really paying attention to that client yes. and being that mirror for them yes. and listening to them, a yeah. lot of listening so yes. that we can then better tailor the way we work yes. to suit the client. Well, because people are so different. I mean, when people are like, what's the best way to clear clutter? I'm like, well, it depends because like, are you super emotionally attached to things? Some people are, but some people aren't so emotionally attached to things. Do you hang on to everything because you're worried that you're going to run out or that you're going to have to go out and buy something? Or maybe not. You know what I mean? Are you, a, you know, do you constantly buy bargains? And so you've got a bunch of stuff that's bar, it was a bargain, but now it's costing you a lot of time and energy because you've got to figure out what to do with it. It's like, there isn't one magic. And so I think you do have to be really listening to what someone is saying or watching out for the pitfalls. Like I was helping a friend because I do try to help my friends clear clutter. So I was over at this friend of mine's house. And he fell into something which I call the frenzy of the clear, which is where you are so excited about clearing clutter and like you just, now you just want to throw away everything. And that's not mindful, you know? And so he was going through his stuff 
And I mean, he was just getting more and more into it. And I noticed that he threw away an unopened package of padded mailer bags. This is like if you're going to mail a book, you put it in a padded mailer bag. I use these all the time. I'm constantly mailing out books. What's an unopened package? I fished it out of the trash. And I said, why are you getting rid of this? And he said, oh, those things never work. I'm like, these things always work. What are you talking about? He just was like, he was just like, I just want to get rid of everything. I'm he's like, in zone. That, he's in the zone, but I'm like, that's not a good zone. Because now you're not being careful. And this is where you're going to have regret. And like, you're, you've got to stay mindful. And so I'm like, well, one person needs to be encouraged, but to, to, to relinquish. But this is a person where I have to be like, hey, man, slow down. Like, let's like take a breath, <laughs> you know, and think about what is this? Like, do you really want to get rid of this? Because maybe you do, but maybe you don't. I took the powdered mailer. I took the package on myself. I'm like, if you're not going to use it, I'm going to use it. Because I use these things like, I like, I use these things every day. So I do think it's very important to stay in the moment and not get so locked into like, this is the way to do it because people real and then people, I'm sure people experience this all the time where people even change during the process. Like a lot of times their grip does loosen and they, as they get into it, they're like, you know, I can, I can let go of this, or I am seeing how, you know, maybe I don't need this. Or, you know, you go, they go through the closet and then they go right back through and then a whole bunch of other stuff falls away. And so even the process, your presence is changing them. You know, the fact that somebody's there and listening and, and saying, well, you know, yeah, you wish that this still fit. This is an outfit that fit. You know, it was a great outfit. But just imagine, even if it did fit, it's been hanging here for 10 years. It's not fresh. You know, if you think if you get back to that size, are you going to want to wear this? I don't know. You know, and then somebody's like, yeah, you know, when I get back down to that size, I think I would probably buy something new. I don't think I would wear this thing. You know, and so you're helping them to reframe and to reexamine. And so even they're a different person at the end of your work together than they were when they began. And in a way that I think is, I, you know, very, very positive because probably it really helps people reimagine their relationship to their possessions in a way that's much more constructive. And it's more them. They and it's more them. Way. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's that feeling of like, now I'm so engaged with what I have, I feel like I have more even though I have less. It's, but it's so hard. It's funny how it is just this constant practice because so the other day, I was just like, like I'm very focused on powder order, and it's cobbler's children going on shot. But so I was going through the kitchen, and I'm like, huh, I happen to notice that we have two garlic presses. We don't need two garlic presses. We only need one garlic press. So get rid of one garlic press. And then I'm like, but here's the thing. My husband, I never cook. My husband buys those little jars of pre-cut, pre-cut <laughs> garlic where it's all chopped up. We don't even need one garlic press. We don't need any garlic presses. It's like it took me a week to be like, we have two, we have one, we have none. It's like, why do we have any? I don't know. Where'd they come from? I've never seen them before in my life, but there they are in my kitchen cabinet. I don't know what to do. You know, so you have to keep your eyes peeled. Be aware. Be aware. Be mindful. I love how you said you got to be mindful at every step. Yes. Either in this zone or the other yes. end of the spectrum. Yes. Know why you're doing it. But, and I'm sure that you've seen this, is that when people have a destination in mind for where things are going to go, it's much easier. Because it's like I, uh, one of the greatest things in my life is that a Housing Works, which is kind of a New York City based thrift shop, opened a block from my house. Amazing, right? And so part of it is like, well, where, who is going to get those books? Who is going to get those hand-me-down toys? Who is going to get that kitchen stuff? And when you think, well, I could keep it on my shelf, but it's kind of going to waste here because I'm not using it. But if I release it into the world, someone else is going to get use, good use for it. And some person setting up their first New York City apartment who cooks all the time, maybe she works for a restaurant, you know, maybe he is a cookbook you know, writer, 
they're going to be very excited to get a really great deal on a totally unused garlic press. Two garlic press. Yeah, two. You want one, you want two. So release it into the world where it can do its job better. And I think when we think about, okay, well, it's not just getting rid of stuff, it's getting them into the hands of people who will use them. And who are those people? What are those destinations? Because sometimes people clutter and then they just, this is where you kind of need professional help sometimes, is then they just have bags lining their hallway. And I'm like, okay, this you are not done yet because this stuff has to go to its destination. And sometimes that stuff is very overwhelming to people. Yes, and it takes time. It, and takes, it takes where does it go? Yes. And how does it get there? I had a friend who had had cancer. She's totally fine now, but she had never gone back and gone through all the things, the wigs, even the prescription medication bottles. Mm. Like she had all this stuff left over. And I said to her, you gotta get this stuff out of your house. Like it's just, it's not, it's like, it's okay to have a few mementos because it's ultimately a happy story, but this is not like, ugh. and it's just taking up space, like let's go through it. And so I went over there and I mean, once we started, like it was like, you know, she couldn't stop. We, first we was like this closet, now it's the whole bedroom, now we're doing the whole second floor. But I had to applaud her husband because clearly he was very excited that she was doing this. He wasn't the kind of guy who could do it himself, but he wanted to help. And he, they live in Brooklyn, so they like have a car and stairs and everything that like New York City yeah. people, like um, most people. But um, and we started putting stuff in the hallway by the front door, and he's like, "I'm just gonna take this right now." And I mean, he took like three car loads of stuff to Housing Works, and I was like, "This is how you can really serve this process because you're not the guy who's gonna go through the closet. I get that. That's not you, but you can drive the car to Salvation Army. You Absolutely. can do that, and that's a huge benefit because then when we were done, it was like." just that, that relief, that open space, and it was all just whisked away, never to have to be looked at again, and I was like, you were a super important part of this process because you just kept the, kept the conveyor belt going to get this stuff into the hands of the people who could really use it. And we didn't make you do the thing that you weren't comfortable right. doing. Exactly. We got you to do a very important part that was yes. another step of the process. Yes, yes. But then sometimes like, I was so impressed because the, um, I think it was, the Dwayne Reed or the CVS, I forget, the drugstore um, right near my house, opened up a container where you could throw away prescription medication safely. And I'm like, this is a problem that I have been sort of, it's been in the back of my mind for years. Like, what am I gonna do with this stuff? You're not supposed to throw it away. You're not supposed to flush it down the toilet. What am I, do I take it back to a doctor? Would they take it? I don't know. I kept meaning to sort of figure it out and I never did. And now it's like, bingo, problem solved. They have a responsible way to handle this well. And I was so relieved because institutionally they created a solution that's gonna mean that all these dangerous medication drugs are not just like floating around like, you know, who knows what's gonna happen to them. What are you working on next? I'm thinking about writing a book about the five senses, Ooh. or really the 10 senses. I think I'm gonna expand it beyond the five, but I've been thinking, I think a lot about the body. We were talking earlier about the physical experience. And I'm one of these people who's always in my head, and so I'm constantly trying to force myself out of my head into my body by things like looking at my looking at color or light or focusing on smell. And so I'm thinking that I might write a book about it because there's so many fascinating aspects to the to the senses. Would you focus on how how the senses relate to a particular thing, happiness, creativity, all of them? I think mindfulness, although I don't like that word, it's so abstract, but I, that's why I like the senses, because like smell is concrete, right. mindfulness is like blah, 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 what's that mean? Um, right, so I think it's like trying to go from the outside in. Yeah. 
we'll all be looking forward to oh, that. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> so will I. Yes, there's a long way <laughs> to go on that. We're partner now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We always ask um, our guests to leave our listeners with two sticky notes, two high-impact pieces okay. of advice or okay. insight that right. they can implement into their, their work, their business, maybe this week, maybe this month, but sometime soon. What okay. would you leave our listeners with? So I would say... Take a week and unsubs- unsubscribe to everything that you can. Unsubscribe and turn off your notifications unless it's something you truly want to be notified by. Because a lot of times we default into these things accidentally and then we just sort of never deal with it. And you can just clear a lot of mental clutter and email clutter and then just distraction clutter by dealing with notifications and subscriptions. The other thing I would say, because this is something that people always say works for me, works for them, is the one-minute rule. Anything you can do with, for in less than a minute, do without delay. Whether it's hanging up your coat or unsubscribing, tossing something in the trash instead of just putting it on the side of your desk, printing out a document and putting it away instead of saying like, oh, I'll do that. You know, a lot of times that gets rid of that sort of scum of minor clutter. You know, it's like one dog toy is no big deal. Ten big dog toys is no big deal. Fifty dog toys is really no big deal. But at some point you're like, oh, these dog toys are really, like, annoying me. If you just pick them up every time you walk by, it's like, just problem solved. That's why I love Outer Order Inner Because they are these just, like, you can flip to a page. Yes. And do something in that 60 seconds and maybe make a little bit of difference in your life or give you, listeners, an idea for your clients. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe, or for, yeah. It's very, I try to be very manageable and very concrete for people who are like, I don't have any time, energy to deal with this. It's like, okay, what are the little things that you can do? Well, I don't subscribe to always the quick fix. Right. Sometimes you need that drop of success. You do. You do. I think that's exactly right. Um, To kind of, you know, sometimes you need to be at the top of the hill when you start pedaling. Yes. Yeah. Gretchen, where can our listeners engage with you, interact with you? I have a website, GretchenRubin.com, and there are tons of resources, and I write there a lot about my experiences and happiness and good habits and human nature, all my adventures. And there's tons, there's things like there's free excerpts of the book and clips of the audiobooks if you want to see if something's right for you. Um, I have a podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where once a week I talk about how to be happier um, with my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who's extremely messy. By the way, my all-time favorite episode is episode 10, which is us cleaning out her closet, which was pretty interesting for us. She was glad when it was over. I could have kept going. And, um, and then I'm on social media everywhere under the name Gretchen Rubin, and I love to engage with readers and viewers and listeners, so I encourage people to hit me up with questions or observations, insights, examples. Um, I love to hear from people. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. I feel very lucky because right now I'll be waiting just uh, an hour or two, and I'll get to watch you on stage. Excellent. We really appreciate you being here with us at Nebo. Thank you. Listeners, what are you going to do to take this episode and turn it into action for yourself, either as a professional or a business owner? We get a lot of things thrown at us to subscribe to, so I love that idea of being mindful of what's coming into my inbox, to my mailbox, to wherever, and, and being more mindful with the things that we're consuming. I want to thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. I am always learning with you, taking nuggets from our guests and implementing them to my own business. So I appreciate you taking the time to being here with us. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review. 
hit that subscribe button if you want to, <laughs> and reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us that review, please feel free to share this in every episode with your colleagues, your team, whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.